Hey everyone, just a quick note before we get going. So everyone knows we're transitioning into doing the show in VR and recording from that space. It's gone pretty well, but we're still working on the quality of the audio episodes. In this episode, unfortunately, when I speak, which thankfully isn't very much, there's an echo. I don't know where it came from, but I've done my best to get rid of it, but it's, it's still there. So please listen to the entire episode. It's a great episode with Thomas Kildren from Fletcher Studio about his game Booper Get Home, uh, a game he's worked on using his son's drawings and voice talent and everything and all that it stands for. It's a must listen. I'm sorry for the quality. Please give a listen and get him some feedback and check out his game. Thanks for putting up with us. Going forward, I think we should be pretty good. Thank you. Hello everyone, welcome to VR Verdict, episode 76. I am PJ. Wookie is absent this episode, but we're talking to Thomas from Fletcher Studios. Hi. Be talking about his game, Booper. I always want to say Blooper. Booper mm-hmm. Get Home? Is that the official yep. title? Yes, I mean, unless something drastically happens. Um, <laughs> when I got started with this, he had drawn the character that you see on, on the, uh, the placard behind you. And because he's on the autism spectrum, he doesn't talk a lot. So when he does speak, it's, it's important. So when I asked, who's this? What's this? He said, Booper. And that was a nickname that I had given him ever since he was just a tiny little baby in my arms. And okay, that's what it is. It's Booper. So that's what we're going with. And that's awesome. One of the things that was interesting about him and his drawings is he emulates a lot of what he sees in life. So there's you know plenty of times when when we're doing things on the game, he'll play test it. He'll you know take off the headset and then he'll go and draw. And then he'll bring me something like, here, put this in the game. Oh, but my God, that's I have awesome. To say, okay, <laughs> but I have to say, no, that's Mario. That's a copyrighted character. We can't <laughs> use him. So I was looking at this drawing. It was such a cute character, but I had to go to, like, his, his, his preschool teachers, uh, the teachers that he had before that, and, like, is this a book he read? Is this something that, you know, <laughs> just in case? Because the last yep. thing I want is to be working on a game and get slapped with the DCMA takedown. Because yeah. I'm I'm using somebody's illustrated children's novel character, and they had no idea. I posted it on Facebook, and I had plenty of people chiming in, like, "Oh, it's a it's a ladybug." It's um, some people saw an African American, some people just saw a little kid. They saw something different. Everybody did. And what I like about this character is I've got a nice banner that has the main character and some background on it. When they see it at the, the, the game dev shows, that they just smile. There's just something that it connects with people, and they love it. So, yeah. you know, hopefully it's not something he copied from somewhere that I just can't <laughs> find. Uh, I even did a re- reverse Google search just in case. You know, that reverse image search thing? Yeah. <laughs> and it came up with Zippo, so fingers crossed. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. So... For those listening, um, you've built most of this game out of 
his drawings. Mm-hmm. And about what would you say, like percentage-wise of the game, like is his drawings? Or oh, does that not? virtually all of it. Like every static thing you see, like the characters floating there, the background objects, like the trees, the houses, the vehicles, everything is something that he drew. Wow. I've sculpted a lot of the me- um, the the levels out of Oculus Medium, or I should say Adobe Medium now, <laughs> but I'll use his scribbles as the texture map. So a brown scribble, that's dirt, green scribble, that's grass, that sort of thing. And um, I'll even take some of his drawings that are kind of just abstract and geometric and make that into a level itself. I've got one in progress that he just drew a maze. And I said, okay, We'll, we'll just take that, we'll just trace it out in Blender, extrude it, and boom. It's a maze wow. that you have to walk on and carefully not fall off the edge. And then we'll throw a few monsters in it, and they'll be chasing you kind of Pac-Man style, and you have to find the exit. That is um, that's beyond creativity right there. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting is is inspired by another game that I had never heard of. He's always online you know his tv time is half spent just either watching game videos or or um learning how to do things like he's learning how to make games in scratch and he's just knocking my socks off because he'll just simply google if i want to learn about something i'll go find out how to make a side scroller how to make it jump make it have a sound um but what he sees online also translates to his artwork so when he wrote something down phrase stuck with me there is no game and that was just such a, a a profound thing for him and i had no idea that it's an actual game online and i think it might be on steam too but the phrase stuck with me and then when he drew the just the the maze that he would have his brother kind of try and complete i just took that and said okay we're getting out of the hand-drawn realm here so let's make it there is no game you've suddenly been teleported to this just nether world that, that you have nothing but uh white maze white haze and oh okay when you work the maze you'll leave footprints so you can see where you've been and nice. if you have fall off die or whatever you have to restart from the beginning but you have your footprints that you can trace your path and say okay i've been this way and it's all based on a game that I, I never even knew about, <laughs> but he happened to be in, enamored of. Yeah. Yeah, and like I told you earlier, I was playing the demo you have available, and it's just, it's just an adorable environment to be in. It's just, like, I, I, even if you couldn't move or anything, it, just, it was just like a live animated thing. It would be perfect. <laughs> so it's really neat to jump around and, and game in there tell you a neat little story about that um the last time i was able to demo my game we have a uh a, a, a game developers expo called gdex that i've been showing out for the past couple of years and the last time i did it was september two years ago one of the fellow developers um i guess he's an introvert by nature but after a whole weekend of walking around talking to people he just comes up to me and he just he kind of sighs he looks at me and says you mind if I just play it for a while? I just, I need to decompress. And he didn't do anything. He just wandered around, looked around, and spent about half an hour just chilling. 
in the game environment for a bit. And he, when he, he's done, he takes off the headset, hands it to me, and just thanks. I needed that. <laughs> I was touched. It was it was so sweet that okay, yeah. I've created a space that you can feel comfortable in and just let your cares go away. Yeah. And I, I'm just kind of similar. Like I told you, I work a full time job. I it was a long week, and I first thing I do when I get home, I tried your demo, and I'm like, this is nice. I just was in a better mood. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's like the best review I could ever ask for. Um, what's interesting, I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of the sound effects, that's my kid. I was so going to ask, jump in the yeah. water, mm-hmm, and he goes, <laughs> or him going, <laughs> when you walk through yep. the grass. Yeah. I, I was going to ask that because I noticed that, and I just thought that was adorable, too. Like, I, You know, games, it's obviously like a kid-friendly game, but, like, it's almost like, it's so cute, it, like, hurts. <laughs> with the sound effects and all that so it's kind of a funny double-edged sword there <laughs> hey it's also one of the things that i want to capitalize on at some point um i i want to have that disney movie kind of just really sad moment and there's not a dry eye in the house <laughs> kind of thing because you know part of games is is that emotional connection I mean, certainly there's plenty of just, you know, shoot 'em up games where everyone's just getting into the adrenaline high and whatnot. But there's so many games like that Dragon Cancer or Firewatch or something that people have just this emotional moment. And they're like, oh, this was such an amazing game because the story was so gripping or just something that I connected with. Yeah. And I'd like this to have a bit of that um, because, to be honest, I'm, you know, this is one of my first ventures like game wise. So I really can't wow people with all kinds of, you know, uh, fantastic mechanics and intricate, you know, <laughs> puzzles and things like that. But if I can give them a good story, if I can give them something they can connect, with, that'll be yeah. worth it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's, it's really interesting the position you're in because a, you're working with your child and, you know, developing his creativity or whatever, you know, growing it. Um, but then you're also using it as a tool to raise awareness for, you know, autism and all that. So it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like the, the story behind it is, is just blows my mind. <laughs> I, I, I'm lucky in as much that I, as far as people on the spectrum go, he's, he's, not as as complicated as as some people are other than the fact that he's very limited in in his uh vocabulary he doesn't talk a lot um he's he's generally just a regular kid he likes you know mac and cheese he likes playing uh video games likes cartoons that sort of thing and we go to um uh summer camps and things for kids on the spectrum and i see there's plenty of kids that They'll never have even think anything close to a normal life, and yeah. you know when I see them compared to to my kid, I'm grateful. But it's like, oh, I want to help this guy. I want to help oh. his friend. I want to, you know, everyone that I see. It just it's it's heartbreaking because, as you know, as we're progressing, things are getting better for for the autistic community, but. Still, how many are undiagnosed? How many are just being swept under the rug or forgotten about? And it's not just kids. Uh, there's plenty of adults who have probably been stigmatized their whole life. 
and have no idea. They've just either been labeled some some derogatory term or just never been given a chance at treatment simply because that's older generations just dealt with it. And I'd like to be them too in any way that I could. Um, And what is interesting is I started talking to a gal who wants to help me with some of the PR work. And she's given me so many ideas like, okay, don't just do a game. Try and get this character licensed. Take like 10% of your game profits and use it towards that, but use like 50 or 60% of of your licensing. So anytime you make a t-shirt, you're donating that much more. And that right. will help generate, you know, more interest. Somebody's walking down the street with Booper's mug on their T-shirt and, <laughs> and something on the back that, you know, I helped people with autism. Boom. I can yeah, spread the message so much more. Yeah, that's, you know, and then, and then that in itself, like, helps raise awareness, helps get your name out there for, like, future projects, helps, um, just helps everyone because, like, Oh, I'm a I'm a geek. I wear all kinds of like shirts with stuff on them. Like I could definitely wear a rocket shirt with a booper on it. <laughs> but you know, just knowing that because um, I know some of the proceeds for the game and all that stuff go towards you know the charities and probably other things. I'm sure. So buying a shirt that I know does something instead of just I like what it looks like makes me feel way much you know, way better about buying it and wearing it and supporting it. So, <laughs> um, One of the things that I'd also like to do, I mean, if at all possible, is, well, first off, if this game goes absolutely nowhere, um, one of the things that I'll be able to do or my son will be able to do is just in 20 years pick up this dusty old headset and put it on and say, hey, me and the old man, we made this. But yeah. I'd also, if it really takes off, I want to develop a uh, companion app so a parent could take, like, a smartphone or a tablet, take a picture of their own kid's drawing, and the app will cut it up, slice it, rig it, and animate it so a kid could play their own drawing. And game. Wow, and, that's uh, neat. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that if anything, it will help anybody like express their creativity. I think I might have to have a caveat that we're not responsible for giant walking genitalia or anything like that. Yeah, you always have to have that caveat, unfortunately. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but the the fact that if, if a kid sees this and says, oh, hey, I'd like to be in the game too. They could draw their own stick figure or their own, you know, dragon or anything that they'd like to be and right. let their imagination go with it and help kids understand that, you know, you can contribute you can be a force you can help you know drive the world that you're in that's amazing because i remember as a kid doodling and all kinds of stuff and you know i'm old so none of that exists anywhere in any form like it's gone but it would be neat to have that as you like you said when you're older and you could could look at that stuff which we kind of missed out on a little bit but you know kids nowadays have the opportunity at least yeah, my, my kid's growing up with VR. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they tell their friends all about it. And yeah, after showing them Beat Saber or something like that, oh, yeah, my dad's got a game he's making, too. And their friends are all just blown away. What? <laughs> and so you mentioned that this is – oh, sorry. No, 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 go right ahead. I, I was simply just going to say um, that, that you know, the, the, 
big caveat with that is that when you have a dozen kids that are friends with your kid all wanting to borrow your VR headset, it's a little <laughs> nerve-wracking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, or ask, you mentioned this is kind of your first foray into gaming, so how did this all come about? Like, how did you get into it? Um, well, when I say um, my first foray, um, it's the first thing that, that's actually been a viable product. I've okay. been modding games forever, like going back to the original Quake 1, Doom 3, <laughs> Half-Life 2. I'd always tinker. I actually wanted to, to get into it to be a texture artist. Nice. Um, I absolutely loved just being able to take you know, Quake 2 levels and hand paint different texture maps, and all of a sudden my artistic creation is now overlaid on this game world. And, um, yeah, if, for the longest time, I've always been a gamer, even going back to our ColecoVision Pong. Not <laughs> yep. But um, but, uh, right around when my, my first son was born, um, I was big into gaming. Uh, I was playing Team Fortress 2 for hours every night, and then my gaming just kind of dropped. It's a huge responsibility. So I can't spend all that time playing. And I also felt that I was getting tired of just the same old, I'm playing another yeah. shooter. Uh, I wanted more quality than quantity. And I yep. started hearing about this, this VR thing. And ooh, <laughs> what? So I had been trained um, classically as a painter. And I said, okay, I sold a couple of paintings and, and bought the uh, DK2 when that dropped. And I'm blown away. And as soon as I tried it, I want to make things for this. I felt it was like an empathy machine. I wanted to make a, a simulator, what it's like to be a homeless person on a subway. And, of course, the classic gamer mistake or classic dev mistake, I scoped way too big. Got in <laughs> and, um, and realized I needed to step back, start learning more. So I had uh, taken a class or not even a class, it was just like a, a, an hour-long, um, like we have a local game developer group, and they had a session about uh, using Playmaker, which is a programming substitute. Instead of typing lines of code and, and me getting a headache every time I do that, <laughs> it's of logic together and connecting them based on a visual scripting system. And once I saw that, it clicked for me. I could start making the interactivity that I wanted. And I started off with just a simple move a character around on, on a plane. And as I'm doing this, and my kids are, of course, wanting to play with Daddy's new toys. They see me using it. They want to use it. So at one point, I got frustrated, and, and I just slapped one of my, my son's drawings on a character controller slapped the headset on him and just went to scrub the bathroom or something. <laughs> About 10 minutes later, I'm just hearing hysterical laughter. And all they're doing is they're walking the character off the edge and just he's falling. <laughs> so I looked at it and I really looked at it. I saw his drawing and I saw it moving and I said, this is cute. This has potential. And this is something that I can start with and build from there. And... You know, I, I took his drawing, I started working on it, and I showed it to a few people, and they were blown away. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, about a few months later, um, one of the local game dev group leaders came to me, and he says, 
Do you have anything that you can show? We, we have this game dev expo called GDEX coming up, and my guy backed out. And I said, I'll put something together. And <laughs> I, I would wake up at 5.30 in the morning, working furiously until everyone got up. And any time that I could, I would just squeeze in a, you know, a little bit each day until it came time to drive down to Columbus, set up my, my computer, put on the headset, and bam. I just the feedback I got was amazing. People nice. just saw the the little cardboard you know printout that I had. Smile. I would offer to play, and once I told them the story, yeah, that's my kids' drawings. <laughs> it, it, people loved it, and yeah. it's nonstop ever since. And it's the the game has a really unique um, like perspective because it's third person, but you're kind mm -hmm. of like closer up which is really neat um and then you're just walking around in the world and the, you can turn the world and it's just like i played the demo i know i don't know what stage that's at but it, it felt really good looked really great i enjoyed being in it so i don't know i think you released that in like february didn't you i think i saw um, the date on that um around there yeah um okay. uh, i mean it's it's been an iterative process that was the most recent update with um you know, having randomized the, the monster movement and adding just polish to it. Uh, one of the things that I've been also doing is I'm adding just regular, like, Xbox controller support because nice. with VR controllers, I've noticed especially, you know, anything uh, Vive index related, you know, kids' hands are too small to use them. But you hand them an Xbox controller and they just take off with it. <laughs> so... Um, and, and one of the things that I found through my uh, uh, local game dev conference is Able Gamers, which helps people with disabilities play. I want to find ways that, that you know, people are physically challenged to be able to play my game. And since nice. it's not a stand-up, run-around type VR game, you can sit, you can be immobilized. It doesn't matter, just as long as you have the ability to, to work some simple controls. I think it's doable. Yeah. Yeah, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about epilepsy and the mm. and all kinds of things, but like the Microsoft controller, um, forgetting the name of it, but the Adapt. Um, I, I don't think I can't remember the name of it, but the adaptable controller they have is really amazing, and just what's happening with people with different disabilities in gaming is just great to hear. So. I'm glad you're offering support for children and whatnot. Um, on that same topic, I'm just curious with the, with your child. You know, you keep hearing like VR is not great for kids or this or that. Like, where do you? What have you seen or noticed? Or um, certainly, obviously, the the concerns about still developing eyes and things like that. I get um, you know, when my kids play. It's it's not for very long periods. Um, and certainly, I think the biggest issue is focal development and, and any issues that might occur are from just repetitive, constant use. Um, you know, we, we try to limit the, as best as we can, not only VR time, but just screen time in general. But also, um, <laughs> the, I've, I've had a few kids just run with the headset straight into a wall, so... <laughs> limit the the damage that that can be done um yeah. 
it it is a mixed bag because regardless of of whatever people say, oh, kids under thirteen shouldn't use it, they're going to. Yeah. And it's one of the things behind me making this is when you look at a vast amount of the the content that's offered, it's all Call of Duty zombie shoot 'em ups that. Yeah, I don't know if I want my eight-year-old to play that. Yeah, yeah, give them options. Yeah, a happy Nintendo-esque romp through a kid's imagination, no problem. But, <laughs> yeah. And certainly, as a single-player game, there's no worry about, you know, multiplayer griefing or, or you know, my kids are going to hear people screaming obscenities, things like that. <laughs> nope. Yeah. It's always great to hear, like, obviously you're a parent and you think about these things, but um, some companies obviously don't really focus much on that. They don't care. <laughs> so it's good I, to hear. I mean, it, it's, it's a moneymaker. If, if going around and, you know, waving decapitated heads makes you money, <laughs> I can't <laughs> fall. <It is. laughs> I'm just enough of a market for or I guess a little more innocent fare that uh, yeah. Yeah, at least lets me continue making games. And like I said before, even if it goes absolutely nowhere, my son will have something to look back on and say, hey, we did this together. Yeah. But even as, a, like I said, I'm older. Um, finding a game like this is just a really nice palate cleanser for anything else I've been into a lot, or so it's, it just works. What have you been playing? Well, you know, I have a, we have guests every week, so I, I play a new game every week <laughs> to keep up. But um, uh, some of my favorites, like a Township Tale, just came out on Quest. I've been in that. I want it. Looks fun. It's, it's, it's really good. I played the Alpha on PC like a year and a half, two years ago, whenever that launched. And I'm like, I'll wait till it's done. I see the, the promise. I, it's going to be great. And it's, it paid off. It's, it's really good. Um, Beat Saber's big in my house because, you know, we can all compete and you know, yeah. we, we have a uh, a family that likes to see who can get the best high score. <laughs> and yeah. I'm but up there, too, in age, so the old man reflexes <laughs> as they used to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was also curious with children, like, so my wife cannot play VR. She just... She gets dizzy watching TV shows sometimes if the camera goes nuts. So even a game like I always say, like I expect you to die, which we're just sitting in a chair pointing at things. After half hour, she's she's toast and she's kind of got a headache for like an hour after that. So I'm just curious, like, do children and from what you've seen, are they not affected as much, or is it kind of the same thing? Like you just some people have it, some people don't, or. I generally have to say that kids are a bit more receptive to it. I had one tweener girl um, recently say that that she started to feel dizzy after after playing my demo for a bit. And part of it, I'm I'm trying to now incorporate the um, the uh, comfort modes where you get that vignetting when you something like that. I think that might have been off, but it was also like her first experience with VR. But yeah. generally, yeah, I've I've never really had that many kids really have any other reaction other than 
Okay, I'm going to get back in line, and I'm going to come around, and I'm going to play. <laughs> and maybe that's the secret. Maybe I have to get my wife's, like, her whole family over here and just keep going in line, and by the time you get back up, you're cured, and you're back. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've really only had, well, that, that one young lady, and I think one grown-up who just also, first time doing VR, had no idea what to expect. And just kind of said, okay, I've got to take this off. Um, yeah. the, the few shows that I've gotten to show this at, <clears throat> hip, fairly trendy audience, fairly young, too. And they're all familiar with it. And I typically try to ask when I'm demoing my game, have you done VR? You know, yeah. if you start to feel dizzy, tell me, we'll get you out of the headset. That sort of experience. Um, and with uh, the, the kids... Generally, as they've been going through the, the game uh, expo, they've already tried several times. And they <laughs> kind of act like, oh, yeah, this is old hat. I'm ready for it. Bring it. And uh, like, okay, let's go for it. See what you find. <laughs> I feel bad because, you know, I tell my wife, oh, we're talking to this person about this, and this game is amazing. You got to try it. And. She, you can. She's an old school gamer. Like we still, we can rock the Switch a lot. Um, she can't do like 3D games either. So shooters and anything like the first person stuffs out. So it gives me someone to play old school Nintendo games with and stuff. So that's great. But it's just like you can tell she wants to try stuff. Like we, she did try Ragnarok, the rhythm game for the Vikings. She loves it, but she's like, yeah, bad and Beat Saber. She can do like 20 minutes. She's got to stop. Kind of sad, but I hope I hope as like the technology like gets better, I think some of that might go away. I, hope. I think so. I think as as both field of view gets bigger and the resolution gets better, yeah, will have and certainly frame rates. I I know that the times that my game is not terribly optimized, it, it you can see it gets choppy and stutters. And since it's a you know a third person. It can affect people uh, a little bit. Now, the one of the things that I'm learning as I'm developing is that even you know my best practices will lead me astray. And uh, <laughs> I, when I started working for the the Quest version, I started off with a build that was almost 300 uh, megs, and uh, and just by taking some basic practices. I've got it down to like 150 megs, I think. I almost cut wow. it in half. <laughs> so, and and obviously, as I'm learning how to improve, you know, the build size, I'm learning how to optimize frame rate so it gives a much smoother experience. Because yeah, I don't want a game that makes people sick. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't <laughs> want people saying, "Oh, here's my first review. It, it it's a barf machine. Don't bother." And <laughs> oh, there it goes, my sales. Yeah, and it doesn't take many of those to really wreck someone's day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you had seen the headlines. I was just looking at Twitter before um, I jumped in here that uh, Super Hot has gotten review bombed because they took yep. out the, the self-inflicted the suicide thing. And, yeah. man, <laughs> I, they obviously have already made a, a fair amount of money, and people are itching for a sequel in VR. But still, yeah. the fact suddenly up in arms because they, they cut something out of their game. Ooh, it might, might affect future sales. Yeah. 
That was interesting. Well, we brought some of your assets in. If you want to go do some show and tell and tell some about the characters and gameplay with them, do that. You bet. Let me uh, jump over there, then I'll move the camera. <laughs> and I love that you were talking about bringing assets in. You're like, yeah, they can be animated, right? I'm like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's been a bit of a learning curve because it's one thing to just simply cut out a drawing and extrude it. It's another to rig it and animate it because... None of these things have a, a, you know, standard humanoid rig or anything that you can just copy from a plug-in. I have to go and manually edit each and every one and then figure out the animations for it. How do you make <laughs> a round little monster, like, move? How does he attack? What does he do when he's idle? Um, yeah. The, uh, the monster was just simply a way of adding an adversary in the demo, and I initially wanted to go the the classic platformer route and have okay three lives and you know power-ups and things like that but i thought maybe not maybe i wanted to be more about exploration and learning and and problem solving as opposed to the classic platformer tropes so i figured that all i really wanted was something that would knock you down for a sec and then you just button mash and you would pop back up and continue onwards um, currently in the demo, the bee just floats around place to place, but I'd like to have a mechanic where possibly you could summon a horde of them to, to help scare away the monster or, oh, nice. or possibly, um, you, you help the bees, um, you know, you need to plant flowers and it'll be like a mini quest to go around the level, just scattering seeds and help the pollinators. Yeah. I mean, the bees are in decline. We got to. Get these younger generations on the right track. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, the trick is, though, if I make him like a helper, he chases away the monster, I have to now figure out how does he attack? How's he going to sting the monster? So, and he's got the impressive stinger there, so. Yeah. I We talked about um, your son voice acting and stuff. I just remembered in the demo, you're finding socks for the gatekeeper guy and Mm -hmm. um, I just thought it was a, adorable as all get out when you pick up a sock. And he's like, a sock. <laughs> like, so good. Um, um, I asked him to record that line, and normally he's a little shy about it, but he took to that immediately. And there's, <laughs> I have hours and hours and hours of my kids playing. It's all imaginative, creative play. And, well, certainly lots of destructive sounds, um, but... <laughs> Also, just so many tidbits of dialogue. The biggest problem I'm finding is, you know, I'm using a cell phone or a laptop to record them, so the audio quality isn't that great. <laughs> um, we came over to talk about these guys, but now other questions are popping in my head. Do you think um, having him do voices and stuff, do you think that's, that could be like a form of therapy that actually helps him kind of come out a little bit more or anything like it's, that? Or? Certainly an interesting thought. Um, you know, he, he goes to a speech therapist, and she's always giving us homework that, that we should do, asking him questions about things, trying to engage with him vocally. Having him do things like this could very well be um, a, a good way of getting him to speak more. Uh, certainly when it's in context for the game where he can see and hear it might get that, that little wheel turning. Um, you know, I had never thought of that, but it's a very interesting point. 
I guess what I'm going to be doing later. Hey, you want to record <laughs> some more lines? Um, it's just um, like, you know how there, there are games, and I'm trying to remember the one for PlayStation VR, but the games that allow you to create games. Mm-hmm. Like if you could create a game where like children could put their voices and all that stuff and you could actually use it as a tool because gaming obviously speaks to everyone, especially children though, and it's that's just something that you know they would use and do that would be pretty powerful. One of the things that he's also picked up on since he's learning to make his own games in Scratch is that you can use that game engine to actually record sounds, and they'll plug in a little microphone that they have, and he'll either record his own voice or he'll actually go and press like a YouTube video to capture a clip that he wants. So he certainly <laughs> gets that aspect. <laughs> the uh, the monster there when he suddenly decides that he's going to bounce around to a new location, there's a very deep-rooted sound. (laughs) That's actually my son at a very baby state when he was just giggling and cooing to himself. I just dropped it six octaves or so, and and that's that's my little baby making noises. The B, I I don't think it's very loud, but it's it's also him just going every time it decides (laughs) to go to a new location. That's just awesome. And that's got to be, you know, you said you didn't want to do like a normal Mario type game because, like you just said, like this is your child here and you probably don't want to be jumping on his head. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to smush him. Yeah. I would definitely like, when I, in the demo, I got knocked down a couple times because I didn't know what, you know, what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. I stayed away from the bee because obviously the stinger's large. <laughs> so I didn't know they were friendly. I'll have to go back in there and check it out. What's neat is this actual environment where I get to see them at a completely different level. Yeah. Um, I'm used to obviously seeing them in relation to my player character, but to be able to walk around like this, this um, yeah. you know that, that Spatial's got it set up that you can import a model and plop it in the middle there. I might have to take advantage of that. Just to, here, let me check on my mom. Yeah. My, um, one of my things I've been talking to them about that I want to do is I want to have a little toy box in here. And anytime a guest brings an asset, I want to get their permission, obviously, but keep it in there. That way, when we're not here and everyone's walking around, they can come in a toy box and just pull out an asset and like, who did this? And they'll have your name and stuff. That'd be really neat. Oh my goodness. That would be so fun. And I, I would be totally happy. These would be but, perfect. Yeah, I just really need to come like just like this and mm-hmm. check it out and just see how it moves. It's just because I'm my brother is he's done animation and gaming stuff, okay. and he's a pretty good artist, even though he won't tell you that. Um, <laughs> so he's he knows how this works. I have no idea. So just looking at this, it just blows my mind. <laughs> like I know this was a just a drawing. Like how do you get it to flap like that? <laughs> it it's i mean pretty much you put in invisible bones that will deform the 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 mesh and then you move them just like standard animation you move them a little bit at a time until you get the motion that you want and but the the trick is actually deciding okay this is his they're both like standard like idle motions here but what happens when they attack? What happens when they're suddenly aware of an enemy, but they haven't located them yet? 
it's thinking of all those things and how yeah. to take a character like this and give it a, a motion that's believable. Right now, this is uber simple. It's not terribly complicated, but motion, and as I'm learning still, as, as I'm, I'm making this game, is, is very much acting. It's trying to put yourself into the head of a cartoon bee and saying, <laughs> okay, is it going to flap like this? Is it going to flap really fast? Is it going to have a big flap? Is it going to bend its antennas? And then making those things happen. And they're all creative choices. And <clears throat> I mean, I could be completely wrong about that. <laughs> it could all be <laughs> totally wrong for a bee. A bee would never act like Especially our cartoon. <laughs> and one of the things that, that I could have completely wrong is, you know, my son drew this. Maybe he didn't intend for it to move that way. Yeah. Maybe the wings should move up and down as opposed to side to side. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Having a game that is like 100% born from your child and your creativity and just mixing all that it just it still boggles my mind it's just it's very touching very touching so how how long have you been working on this particular on the game i guess um, it's kind of a tough, tough way to say it. Like I initially started working on this on, in the winter of 2017, 2018, but being a full-time stay at home dad means that I can't do like those solo guys where they're just sitting, working for, you know, 12 hour days, months on end. Um, obviously as I was starting to do this, and when crunch time came, I would get up early in the morning and work on it before everybody else would wake up. But as soon as it was time to feed everybody, to get everybody ready for work, for school, things like that, you know, I have to stop. So I don't think I've ever put in like a full 40 hour a week sure. on this. So while it's taken since then to get this demo and I'm now working on the, the actual game game levels, um, I have no real metric to say I've put X amount of hours into it. And I probably should keep track of that <laughs> um, simply because it's such a different path than, yeah, I, it's almost like the, the guy who works the, the 40 hour a week and then comes home and does it in his spare time would probably yeah. be my best analogy. So and since think, it's okay. Oh, I sorry. I thought you were done. Um, I was just curious. Do you think giving like the like where this all came from and what you're doing with it? Do you think it's made it easier for you to keep like stay engaged and actually be excited to work on it that long? You know, because oh, totally. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because. Sure. <laughs> I certainly have tons of other video game ideas, like the classic World War II game and the classic, you know. <laughs> yeah, plenty of those ideas are constantly percolating in my head, but I keep coming back to this. One, because it's just such a rich, vibrant world. And two, I think he disappeared. <laughs> there you are. I can hear you, but I don't see you. But oh. two, <laughs> my son doesn't stop drawing. 
we um, started giving him 18 by 24, 100 page sketch pads. And I have a stack that's about two and a half feet high that he's filled up. (laughs) And as soon as he's done with one sketchbook, he wants another. Um, He has slowed down a bit in his drawing and he's changed a little bit. His style's changing. He likes using pencil now as opposed to crayon. And for a while he was big into like uh, ink and, and marker for a bit. So, and I get these weird moments where I think he's trying to get a little more realistic. Like he's trying to draw three dimensional isometric style drawings. So (laughs) I'm wondering, should I have levels based on his different overs? Is he going to have a blue period? Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to do some, the maybe DLC for that. I want to change. And boom, there you go. You're thinking the exact same way I am. That's incredible, though. It's just a, that he's so engaged with it. And then you just always have content to work with, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I brought him in here earlier today just to take a peek at, at these two awesome. guys. And yeah, he just he looked around and was impressed with it because this is a different environment than he's used to seeing. Sure. So when do you have like a release window in mind or is it what's your what's your plans for release or future? Um it's tough to say because COVID messed everything up. Um my both my kids are finally in school and while they were, I was able to get, you know, a couple of hours each and every day to actually sure. work on this. And right before we went into lockdown and everything, I was scheduled to show this at the Cleveland International Film Festival, which had a much bigger audience than what I'm used to. GDEX has, I think, anywhere between 2,500 to 5,000 people. Uh, the, the International Film Festival has something close to 100,000 guests. So it would have been a huge, broader market for me to show, show my game and then a week before that, I was supposed to go on the radio and do a little bit of a uh, interview. Our local um, NPR affiliate does a thing nice. about um, local creative projects and things. And then, yeah, COVID hit. Everything <laughs> shut down. Everything got locked down. And uh, basically, yeah, wife and kids were at home and development pretty much stopped unless I had a few hours here and there randomly i was busy helping make food for for people who were home working tech support for (laughs) juggling you know two kids on chromebooks the wife's doing zoom calls constantly and um (laughs) yeah just getting the house running so it it really is going to depend on a couple of things obviously if we can get ourselves out of this and i'm terrified of this like delta and now lambda variants that are going to just mess everything up again and i'm when i can i'm actively pursuing you know uh angel and and seed round funding i've had a couple of of people at these game dev conferences say hey i'd like to work on this and obviously um you know people have their own lives they have their own gigs and whatnot so i'd love to have the ability to actually pay people for their work um and if it's just me, 
it might be a couple of years. If I can get some help, <laughs> it'll be sooner. Sure. <laughs> uh, yep. The the trick <clears throat> is finding also people that that I mesh with. Uh, a programmer yeah. who became a new dad recently reached out to me. He's like, I've got very little time, but I want to help with this project. And he's done some snippets of code. One of the things that makes the demo so amazing now is that for the longest time, um, the the camera, the VR headset, would actually clip through like the level walls and whatnot, and yeah. it really broke the immersion. He figured out a way of of preventing that from happening, and it made the demo so much better. So, nice. yeah, I, I definitely want him on board, and because you know he's got his own job, he's got a wife and kid. I you know, I want him to get compensated for, for his limited time. Yeah. Um, and then obviously artists, I, I know people who are composers who, who have done like little musical cues for me and whatnot. Um, I think with the idea that if this starts to take off, that they'd like to see a bigger role as well. Um, I, a guy happened to see just a, a trailer on, on YouTube and he said, it inspired me so much that I wrote you a song. Use it for whatever. <laughs> and now it's um, the uh, on my Twitter um, feed is is uh, his music. Because I have like a little pitch video where I describe the story, describe how, you know, we found out he was on the spectrum and what I'm doing. And it's just such a cute little piece of music that you know, I, I really want to be able to hire this guy and say, okay, Give me the dramatic tense moment. I want this <laughs> song to 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 do the Disney thing where they have just yeah. that moment like Fievel in American Tale where he realizes <laughs> he's lost and there's not a dry eye in the house. And um oh my goodness, headset power is low. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I, I have a niece who is I eleven or twelve. And she's learning piano and has an amazing singing voice. And I said to oh. her, like, look, if I can get a song composed, would you sing it? Would you like to be? And she said, of course, hands down. She'd be thrilled to. So I get to incorporate more of my family in this project. Nice. That's awesome. And actually, the, the, the narrator for, for the uh, demo, that's my brother. He, uh, nice. I was going to ask who, who that was. <laughs> I figured it was someone close. Yeah, he's he's always wanted to do get into voiceover work, and I was like, here, I could use this, and and <laughs> I I said, can you try to do like your own version of William H Macy doing the Curious George voiceovers? And <laughs> what he came up with. Uh oh. I'm back. I fell through the floor, but I'm back. <laughs> It was like it's a little disconcerting to have a disembodied voice yeah. coming down from the heavens, but Yeah, they uh the first time it was funny, we were in here and we interviewed the guys from Spatial Ape. Mm -hmm. And I fell through the floor and he did, my brother, you could we were filming it obviously and you could just see him like what's going on? Like where'd everyone go? It was awesome. <laughs> they were like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> Spatial Apes um, since the beginning, I take it. Yep. <laughs> so, um, before your battery dies, we're at almost at our hour anyway. So, uh, mm -hmm. if to anyone listening or watching, um, 
what's what's what would you like to leave them with like what what thoughts or like your pitch i guess your elevator ele sorry elevator pitch <laughs> um well, certainly the elevator pitch is this. It's a VR game based on my son's drawings. He's on the autism spectrum and is limited verbal, but is incredibly drawn to sketching out things. What I'd like to do is take his, his imagination and make it into an exploration platformer puzzle solver that doesn't focus on combat. It focuses on helping people and making friends. And like we discussed earlier, I'd like to donate part of the proceeds to um, autism awareness and acceptance. And if the game really takes off, I want to develop a companion app so parents can use a smartphone or tablet to uh, take a picture of their kid's artwork and the app will slice it, dice it, and animate it. And a kid could play their own drawing in game. I'd also like to merchandise the characters and of course, comic books, movies, and the cartoon TV series if possible. <laughs> Yeah, it's so charming. I I could watch a cartoon. I, like I said, I've played the demo. I'm gonna play it again. But just being in there was just felt great. So I hope all those things happen because I would be into it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, again, even if I don't go anywhere, even if I get no funding, I'm making this just because it's a labor of love. It's yeah. something that I bond with with my kids over because. My youngest is also now into here. I'm going to make you a drawing here. I want to do a, a, a sound effect. I have this idea. So it's becoming a family project. I talk about this with my wife and she's come up with several amazing ideas about how the plot should go about what we should do at the very end. And I, I don't want to you know, obviously give any spoilers. Yep. <laughs> she figured out a way of closing out both the story and an artistic connection that I mean, I'm still floored by it. Wow! So, that's and awesome. the fact that my yeah, my brother's done the voiceovers. My niece wants to do a song. It's something that's kind of bringing the whole family together. I I even have my cat recording the sound <laughs> effect. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty epic. I mean, I and I don't what what is it about a child's art that just it makes you happy when you look at it? I don't. I'm not a psychiatrist, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I bet you that the people who are who are versed in it could explain that there's an, a universal <laughs> appeal. There's an innocence yeah. to it, and <laughs> I mean, I'm just waiting for the day that he starts to turn into a surly tweener and he starts drawing, you know, bomb <laughs> destruction and uh, <laughs> angry old things. Yeah, because it's yeah, funny. I was just scrolling. I think I first saw the. I don't know what, I think it was the B, mm -hmm. just scrolling through Twitter and I stopped. I'm like, what is this? And I didn't, didn't really read it. I think I was on my lunch break, so I was just kind of skimming. I'm like, oh, that's a game, sweet. And then I'm like, that's in VR. I'm like, I have to check this out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had gotten into the whole VR thing and I actually registered this game with Steam before they switched from their green light system. So at that point, Valve was greenlighting everything. And now it's you have to pay 100 bucks in order to get your, your product on Steam. So it's kind of grandfathered in. But nice. as I was doing the market research, like I said, it's all shooters and zombies and things like that. I decided that I'm going to stick with VR, even though it could mean less sales. Maybe I'll explore 
being able to to use both a flat screen version and uh, a VR version. And if if I get better at game design, perhaps maybe I'll I'll be able to change the mechanics. So if you play it in VR, it plays one way. If you play it with a mouse and keyboard, it's another, and yeah. change some of the interactivity. But that's probably scoping too big. Yeah, that's always amazing with devs how you, because I myself like I have ideas on things and it's just hard to reel them in. But I'm sure when you like you said when you work on this, other things pop in your head. It's like just keeping that focus and like putting that stuff aside till you're ready for it. That'd be hard for me. So I don't know how you guys do it. But... <laughs> All right. Simply looking at the clock and saying, "Yeah, I don't have time for that." <laughs> True. <laughs> Time to make supper. Yep. <laughs> oh man, we this was an amazing chat. Like I I really love what you're doing. I love that it's got many arms and helping people and doing different things. So um whatever our humble little podcasting can do to help spread awareness or the or get the word out, just let us know. I was absolutely delighted to do this too. This is so, always so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I'll probably, after we call it a night, I'll probably just sit here and look at these guys for a while. <laughs> it's just so I do have to get my oldest to bed soon. So, All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I want to thank you so much. I, I love doing these uh, talks and, and I, it's interesting because it helps fuel me to to want to sit down and get back to work get back to crunching on it and sure get out there and show the world what i'm making yeah. i love people's enthusiasm about it and i it touches me that you know something that my kid is making is is making people say oh that's so cool yeah that's got to be a really neat feeling all right everyone thanks for hanging out with us listening um Fletcher Studios, Cooper, get home. Get home. All right, I got it right. Um, check it out. There's a demo on itch. There'll be links in the show notes. Um, I'll be tweeting about it every time I see something new. I'll definitely retweet and look at it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Can't wait to play it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Feels further and further away, but... No, I like the the dev that that made the um, the first tree or the last tree. Um, you know, just never have a zero someday, and that's what I try to do. Keep that's working nice. on it every single time. But thank you awesome. so much for this opportunity. It's been fun. Yeah, anytime. That has been great. No. thank you, sir. Have a good night. Yeah, yeah. Have a good one. <laughs> well, for those listening, that was Thomas from Fletcher Studios working on. Hooper get home. Very interesting and touching uh, story behind the game, and the story is just like we were saying. It's great to be in. Very creative, both from his son and what he's doing with it, with with his son's artwork and creativity. So definitely check it out. Like I said, there'll be links in the show notes. But for this episode, episode seventy-six, I am PJ. Uh, Wookie should be back next time. Thanks for hanging out with us. This was our VR Verdict.